you find yourself with the same incurable curiosity as us, this is a place for you. This is Spiritual Smorgasbord with Cheyenne and Desiree. Desiree. Hello, Cheyenne. How's your day going so far? You know, it's a day. How about you? Pretty good. Yeah. I had a cute little allergy attack this morning. Isn't that fun? It was really nice. Yeah. Yeah, but other than that, I mean, life's going as usual, just building an empire one day at a time. Right? You know? Yeah, what absolutely. Else, what else are you going to do but live your dreams? Dream, dream, dream. Um... That was actually kind of cool to lead us into what we're talking about today. <laughs> Serendipity. Yeah, so uh, today we're following up Barry Littleton's episode, and if you got a chance to listen to it, you will see how thick it is filled with information and the stuff that we were able to put into that episode. I'm still so overwhelmed with <laughs> everything. That exactly. We it's a good learned and talked about. Yeah. yeah. I can't wait Ooh. to get Barry back in and I can't wait to, you know, be one of his clients. Right. I'm definitely going to go get a reading from him for sure. Yeah. Even though he gave us like a couple free readings while we were in the studio just talking. Mm-hmm. So um, I appreciate him just using his gifts on us in general. Yeah. Um, so uh, if you thought that we were going to do a Sasquatch episode, I do apologize. We really <laughs> did think about making the info episode about Sasquatch, but we decided to wait um, a little bit longer in the seasons before we decide to pull that apart. But we did take a few of our favorite things, um, and we actually had to cross some off the list. We're like, no, we're not going to discuss all of that in this episode. We're going to save it for our another info one. episode. Could have been an entire season just based on his one episode. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You're absolutely right. Yeah. Like I gave, I gave you a post-it. I was like, okay, let's talk about these five things. You're like, how about pick like one or two? Yeah. Like, <laughs> you're right. Put my collar back on me. Thank you, my wise owl. Thank you. Uh, so today we're going to be discussing um, near-death experiences, um, out-of-body experiences, and um, we were going to talk about like mediums crossing, you know, people over. Right. Um, and again, we just decided to keep that for another time. So today we're really going to focus on near-death and out-of-body experiences. And of course, I have some wonderful music for you at the end of the episode. So stay tuned for that. Boom, boom, boom. Dun, dun, dun. So uh, starting off, uh, I'm just going to go ahead and read the Wikipedia definition of near-death and out-of-body experience. Um, they are two completely different, but we're here to consolidate those facts for you. So according to Wikipedia, it says a near-death experience is a profound profound personal experience associated with death or impending death which researchers claim share similar similar characteristics sounds like i'm going to be tongue-tied for this episode (laughs) Um, and then an out-of-body experience is a sensation of being outside of one's own body typically of floating or being able to observe oneself from a distance so i think it's important to discuss both of those just um you can have an out-of-body experience during a near-death experience, but you don't mm-hmm. necessarily have to have a traumatic thing happen to you to have an out-of-body experience. Right. For example, um, 
there is a Twitter feed that was going on about like creepy things that your kid says. And most of them look like they were talking about past lives or paranormal activity or Mm -hmm. basically seeing beyond the veil at a certain age. And this kid was downstairs with his dad who was making breakfast. And he's like, dad, why is mom like floating around the kitchen all up? Like there she is. She's up in the air. She's up in the air. And he just thought that his kid was having an overactive imagination. So, you know, dealt with how, however he dealt with it mm-hmm. and like two minutes after like mom's not floating in the kitchen anymore his mom comes down out of bed and she goes oh my gosh I just had the weirdest dream that I was flying around the kitchen <laughs> is that right? crazy like imagine being the father in the situation right? but that that to me is a twitter example of an out-of-body experience maybe yeah. an astral projection something along those lines where um, part of you is not in your body. Mm-hmm. So uh, I just thought that was pretty cool because um, I believe that I've left my body plenty of times, whether in meditation or dream states, or I know that I've astral projected. Um, and I think it's more common than people think. Like, mm-hmm. I think when you get to talking about those things and it's not really like your forte or it's in your experience or even in your comfort zone like you have to believe there's some there's something to the people that can do it Mm -hmm. you know it's like mystical and oh like all your chakras must be in line Mm -hmm. before you can do it um but I I guess that I really enjoy just like bringing it down to a really grounded level and be like anybody can do this Mm -hmm. anybody can do it but Mm -hmm. um yeah so that's kind of my like comparative real quick just so out of body and near death you can just know the definitions Mm -hmm. and um i know that you have one of my favorite references for Mm -hmm. um near death experiences yeah so when i was kind of trying to find uh, a way to learn a little bit more about near-death experiences i came across something that i haven't seen yet but um i might be the only person that hasn't um <laughs> it's called surviving death and it's a documentary on netflix and it's such a good show yeah so i'm actually i probably will go watch it. i don't watch tv anymore which is why i might not have seen it um but <laughs> I mean, I still have it because I my entire family does watch TV. I just, I guess I just don't have time for it. But um, so it's based on a book actually called Surviving Death, who um, is a journalist. Um, Leslie Keene wrote the book and then Netflix picked it up and did a documentary on it. But it's all about um, ghosts, medium, signs of reincarnation and basically, obviously, near-death experiences. And um, the University of Virginia did a study and basically they discovered that there's very similar experiences of people who survive death um, and claim to have NDEs or near-death experiences. And sorry, I'm going to have to drink some water. Get your Invisalign on, girl. Right. And um, so it's primarily about a neurosurgeon who had a kayaking accident where uh, she basically, I guess, died and came back to life. Um, So I want to interject on this because I remember how I felt watching this. So her kayak goes over like a waterfall or something. Mm -hmm. And however it happens her kayak gets pinned under the rocks like under the water Mm -hmm. so 
she's not like on a hospital bed or anything like she's held and trapped under water basically drowning basically drowning Mm -hmm. and having an out-of-body near-death experience Mm -hmm. and the crazy thing is is like they all have their gopros on right so there's video footage of her friends like coming out into like her her kayak is like poking out of the water and they just know like they look at it and they're like there's no way that she's alive at this point Mm -hmm. so they think that they're are like retrieving a corpse at this point and then they're counting how long she's underwater Mm -hmm. and everybody's just like there's just no way she's alive there's no way she's alive there's no way she's alive the way that she was pinned the way the kayak hit like i mean you don't come back from stuff like this yeah so in between like on the documentary spoiler alert she like her friends are recapping and the video is recapping like saving her life and then it's interviewing her and she's like while my friends are trying to retrieve my body that they think is dead, this is what I'm actually experiencing. Mm. And it's so powerful the way that they actually did the documentary, Mm -hmm. going back and forth between her and some otherworldly experience. And, like, you feel it with your emotions. You're like, oh, my gosh, she's she's totally fine. She's calm. Like, she's in the arms of the all. And then um, the video pans back to her friend's GoPro, and you're like, oh, my God, she's still underwater? How is it even possible she's alive? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I'm sorry that you haven't seen it yet because it is riveting. Yeah, well, I'm definitely going to go watch it. I'm, I mean. Highly recommend it. Yeah, for sure. Um, and it talk well, it talks about that, like, she kind of gets this message that she has more work to do on earth and so she chooses to come back and that that's a common experience that people have NDEs kind of make this choice that they will come back and um, it it changes people and that they have this choice and this journey um, in the afterlife and they um, leave them with this feeling of not being afraid of death and it's very transformational for them and um, even the creators of the documentary said that it leaves you um, really asking asking more questions than anything else. And it convinces you more than anything else that you're more uncertain. <laughs> you know, whether you are convinced that there is afterlife or convinced that you do believe in NDEs, you know, it's not really convincing you that, yes, it's for real. It just convinces you to uh, provoke you to think about something more. And, um, you know, and she, the, the author of the book, Leslie Keen, um, while she was writing the book, she talks about how, um, her brother actually passed away. And part of the book was also her researching how to have after death communication. And so she writes about that in the book as well. And that she did have some after death communication with her brother. And so, um, it's just really interesting. And so, um, I, you know, I came across that and I really just kind of wanted to share that and, and encourage everyone, if you do have some curiosity about near-death experiences, what they're like, what it's about, um, maybe go watch that on Netflix because uh, it's interesting or even read the book Surviving Death. Well, I always love to do the spirit science gap. I mean, my, my, my brain always wants to go to the spiritual side of it and like, who'd you see? Who'd you talk to? How do you Mm -hmm. feel about that? But also I'm always interested in like what science has to say about it and like, what, what is your brain doing at that time? Mm -hmm. And I don't have a lot on it because I eventually want to go back to other people's experiences because I just think 
hearing their experience and who they talk to and what it what they perceived it looks like to them right what is it a tunnel is it a bright light did you mm-hmm. see a relative? Mm-hmm. Is somebody giving you lottery numbers? You never know. <laughs> I want the lottery numbers, please. Yes, I'll take the lottery <laughs> numbers. Um, but it says here, uh, medical news today, um, the experiences are considered to be due to dysfunction in the pathways of dopamine, a neurotransmitter involved in the brain's reward pathways that is known to cause hallucinations. So I think of... Uh, someone working in like ER or like trauma places that mm-hmm. they probably see these a lot, like mm-hmm. especially the people they resuscitate or anything like that. So I wonder if like you hear so many people's stories about indies and out of body experiences and like, where do your beliefs really lie on that? Mm-hmm. Um, and I wonder that because I know there was um, like an end of life nurse, like a hospice nurse who started recording like the final recordings of all of her patients and like the advice that they were giving to young people and the last words that they said on their deathbed or who they saw was coming to bring them to the other side. Mm hmm. Um, and I'm not skeptical at all about near death experiences. Um, I don't think that I can consider myself having a near death experience. I do remember an ATV accident I had when I was a kid and I was buckled into the ATV, but my body was trying to be thrown out of it. So I got caught like halfway in, halfway out of this Kawasaki mule is Mm -hmm. what it was. I went around a corner too fast, um, on fresh gravel flew off into a ditch of poison ivy and when it flipped over we had put fiberglass on top of the mule and like as a window so when I came down and was caught and the mule landed on me the fiberglass actually like cut my stomach a little bit and I just remember like knowing that I'm gonna have the accident and then the next thing I know everything flashes in front of me and then I wake up real quick And like I'm back and I can hear the motor running Mm -hmm. like I'm fine. I'm not dead. But that moment between like when the car when it was going to crash into the ditch, the thought of, oh, man, is this going to hurt? And then the whole accident actually happening and then me waking up, I can remember the flash. Mm -hmm. But I don't know if I really consider that a near death. I think I was just terrified and tried to black out for a minute. Right. Right. You never really know. But that is the closest thing that I could think to experiencing it. Mm -hmm. And I say that because um, everybody feels a different way. I know there's um, like skeptics is a reason people don't like to come forward and report it. And then a lot of people say that they have a really, really good euphoric experience and Mm -hmm. it's like life changing. And then some people have a lot of really terrible experiences Mm -hmm. like it's terrifying like for instance nick Mm -hmm. he died and there was nothing there Mm -hmm. was no light there was nothing there and i remember him telling me that when we worked together he's like i do remember him saying that yeah he said yeah i died he's like to me nothing happened he's like i was just like in this black abyss of nothing Hmm. so i was like that's that's an example that isn't talked about a lot because so many people talk about seeing people in colors and the light and the light and mm-hmm. all of this. So, um, two examples that I found were I thought were really good of trying to explain other people's experiences was feeling very comfortable in pain and free of pain, which would be great because if you're doing a near death experience, what your body's going through is probably really traumatic at the time. Yeah. Um, a sensation of leaving the body, sometimes being able to see the physical body by floating above it. The mind functioning more clearly and more rapidly than usual. 
a sensation of being drawn into a tunnel or darkness. And they all talk about this, this force, like they can feel themselves dying. They can feel themselves being pulled away. Mm -hmm. Um, a brilliant light sometimes at the end of a tunnel, a sense of overwhelming peace, well-being, or absolute unconditional love, which is one of the main reported things is when people choose to come back, they don't really want to come back. They just know that like their time's not done and whatever mm -hmm. entity they're talking to, mm -hmm. they're like, you're not done. Like, yeah, you have free will and you can give up now, but you're technically not done. You should go back. It's not your time, mm -hmm. which I think is super sweet, but I do think it would be really hard to um, make that choice. Make that choice. Mm -hmm. um, unconditional love is just such a great feeling. Yeah. I can't imagine <laughs> like feeling it while knowing you're going to come back into a very traumatized experience. Imagine like going your whole life. I mean, I'm speaking from my phone. You know, like you're always in search of like love, 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 the perfect love, feeling so loved. And then you get there and then being like, and now you have to give it up. Yeah, now you have you to go choose back. choose to give yeah. it up. <laughs> For the greater good. Yeah. You know? mm -hmm. um, a life review or recall of important events in the past. A preview of future events yet to come. Um, encounters with deceased loved ones or with other beings that may be identified as religious figures. So I thought that was cool. But this is um, someone's actual experience from like a long time ago. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to quote who it is. I'm just going to say it's an anonymous. It says a calm feeling of the most perfect tranquility succeeded the most tumultuous sensation, nor was I in any bodily pain. On the contrary, my sensations were now of rather a pleasurable cast. Though the senses were thus deadened, not so the mind. Its activity seemed to be invigorated in a ratio which defies all descriptions. For thought rose after thought with a rapidity of succession that is not only indescribable, but probably inconceivable by any who has been himself in a similar situation. The course of these thoughts I can even now in a great measure retrace. The event that has had just taken place thus traveling backwards every incident of my past life seemed to me to glance across my recollection and retrograde procession the whole period of my existence seemed to be placed before me in a kind of panoramic view uh, i love the way that this is said one because it's poetic and um, more importantly, it talks about the timeline of events of people like saying, oh, my whole life flashed before my eyes. And um, the number one reported thing about when that happens is they say like how clear and emotionally free you are. Like you can finally see everything you've done to yourself, to people, and it's rapid fast and it's downloaded like super fast. Mm -hmm. um, and I just thought that that was very interesting the way that they wrote how they experienced it mm -hmm. um yeah this is all very um like as i'm looking more through the research i'm just like what would it be like to have that happen to you you're gonna find out one day 
Oh my gosh. Not soon. Not Why soon. Why would you say that? We all will. A near death experience. I'm going to experience no, a no, near no. death. No, not a near death, an actual death. Well, I know I'm going to do that. <laughs> I'm talking about like the near death experiences. <laughs> no, 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 no. You're like, I'm like, uh, okay, I'm going to have a near death experience. Thank you. Like, seer. I mean, no, no, no. We're, <laughs> that's not what I mean. I mean, we're all going to get like really near death, like all the way near. <laughs> yeah, we're all going to go there yeah just reading people's stories I'm like that is really trippy yeah (laughs) no that's not what I'm saying at all (laughs) I take it back yeah go ahead (laughs) with your research after you're damning me no I take no 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 um okay so um so the science piece that I wanted to talk about a little bit is um so I wanted to look into because a lot of times when people have these near-death experiences they come out of them um, with heightened spiritual gifts right so they say that they either have higher psychic abilities or um, they see dead people or whatever the case may be and so is is a big one that I saw too like immediately auras, when they right. wake up, they saw the auras of everybody. Mm-hmm. They're like, uh. Yeah. So I kind of wanted to dive into that a little bit and see if, it, you know, had that been studied. And um, there is a doctor called Bruce Grayson. And he actually wrote a book called After. And it's a doctor explores what near-death experiences reveal about the life and beyond. And, um, but he also, back in 1983, he has a paper called Increase in Psychic Phenomenon um, Following Near-Death Experiences. And in this paper, um, he was the psychiatric chief um, at emergency services at the University of Michigan. And um, he showed that 75% of the subjects in this um, study reported out-of-body experiences, which, you know, obviously near-death experience, and they felt like they went out of their body. But also 49% reported that um, an apparitional experience, so seeing an apparition, 39% reported um, apparent extrasensory experiences, and 21% reported having been the subject of somebody else's psychic experience during their near-death experience. Um, And then they go into um, either before the NDE or after the NDE. So these are self-reported changes, right? So psychic experiences. So ESP experiences. Sorry, I'm going to need some water. Do your thing. Mm -hmm. Before everybody writes in and they're like, why is Desiree lispy so much now? It's Invisalign. (laughs) Go get you some. (laughs) Um, Okay, so... Awake ESP experiences before their near-death experiences, 24% said they had some kind of experience. And after, 55% said they did. And then um, ESP agency, meaning I believe that I have some kind of extrasensory perception. Before, 10% said so. After, 30% said so. Um, In dreams... They, uh, 18% said so after 33% said so. And then, um, out of body experiences before 11% said that they did. And then after 44% said that they could, um, let's see here. Encounters with apparitions before the NDE, 
13% said that they had had some kind of encounter, but after 45% said that they'd had an encounter with an apparition. So those are just like, oh, oh, this one's kind of interesting too. Mystical experiences or like lucid dreaming beforehand, 24% and after 55 to 59% said so. So um, lots of evidence, self-reported evidence saying that um, people who have near-death experiences self-report that there is a huge increase in psychic abilities. Not really a way to test that necessarily because you never know <laughs> when you're going to actually have a near-death experience. But um, self-reporting anyway says, yeah, we do, we do have a lot more abilities. And not really necessarily why that happens. Like, there, again, there's no really way to check, like, what changes in your brain or whatever the case may be causing that because it, there's no way to know who's going to be having a near-death experience and then follow them to say, oh, and now we see what changed. Now we need to see what changed. Yeah. There are, there are um, plenty of studies out there. Um, there's an organization I'll bring up in a minute, but as you were saying that, um, more signs came to mind. Awesome. Um, and again, I believe in near death experiences. I believe in the connection and all of that, but I'm always curious what the brain's doing. And it's saying in macular degeneration, the center of the visual field gradually fails. Patients report the hallucination of ghosts relatively frequently. This might be due to the brain attempting to make sense of the neural noise being generated from the faulty or partial messages it is receiving. Uh, in short, a brain hallucinating at a time when it is receiving unusual signs or not receiving appropriate signal is not such a surprise. So it goes on and it says, explaining the euphoria. Um, most people say it's a blissful experience, and at first glance, this seems paradoxical given the circumstances surrounding an NDE. However, a number of recreational drugs have been found to closely mimic the visual and emotional aspects of NDE. So do you know what ketamine is? Um, I mean, I've heard of it. It's but... an anesthetic. People okay. also use it recreationally. It's like heavy in the festival scene. Oh, okay. Like ketamine, DMT, stuff like that. Like it. I know DMT for sure. Yeah, it's known to give you hallucinations, out of body experiences, euphoria, disassociation, and spiritual experiences. Um, so basically, the same receptors utilized by other recreational drugs, such as amphetamines, mm -hmm. is kind of what you should think about that. But they're correlating um, what people feel on ketamine is what people also feel on like a near-death experience or an mm. out-of-body experience. Also stating, uh, when an animal is under extreme stress, dopamine and opioid pathways are known to trigger. These reward pathways seem to come into play during traumatic events, although we do not know exactly why this should be. They no doubt involve evolved to be of assistance in times of extreme danger so you think of like activating your fight of fight or flight mm -hmm. in that moment which is what i think maybe is like pulling you back into your body is your fight or flight hmm. which i mean that's not on this that's just what i think yeah. in the moment if you're going to activate something um it sounds like that um the tunnel of light is explained scientifically um by basically a lack of oxygen yeah. oxygen to the retina which that's cool. I get it. But mm -hmm. I still want to believe that there's a bright light. Yeah. Um, so 
not taking away from anybody's experiences at all. I just think it's rather cool how science always tries to explain these things that happen to us. Mm -hmm. Well, and you know, you, when you talk with like mediums, even just um, with Barry, what? sorry. I was like, I don't know where you're going. <laughs> you're like, I can't tell you your word. I don't know what you're going to say. Uh, so when Barry was here, he was talking to us about when he's talking to the trapped spirits and he's asking them, is there anything that you see? And they describe seeing a tunnel of light. Well, they no longer have bodies that are lacking oxygen in order to make that what they see. Oh, that's a really good example. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you're right. Because all of the attachments, um, earthbounds, I think is the most respective term. Mm -hmm. um, they, yeah, they say they don't want to go into the light because they're scared or mm -hmm. they're fearful or they're like unworthy of it. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, they still see a light and they don't have retinas. Yeah, that lack oxygen. Yeah. So they, they still don't see need that. oxygen because they're earthbound spirits mm -hmm. that is a really good point desiree mm -hmm. which i mean i only bring science in it to bridge it i don't bring it right. in to discredit it no but that is what science are saying they're like well you're just lacking oxygen that's why you yeah. see that tunnel in your body well then what do we do about all of these earthbounds that say mm -hmm. um, that see the same thing yeah mm -hmm. my it's not my favorite it's like sad but one of my favorite earthbounds that uh barry talked to he was like you know, did you, do you see the light? Do you remember God's love? And he's like, God doesn't exist. If God existed, we all wouldn't be bumping into each other and you guys wouldn't be ignoring us all the time. Yeah. And I, I was like, oh, that. that's such a sad soul. But, mm -hmm. you know, when you think of like how many of us are on earth, like how many spirits are out there just bumping into each other, like mm -hmm. trying to get everybody's attention. And we're doing the, like alive or not alive. We're all just bumping into each other and God's ignoring us. That's how some of us feel. You know what I mean? I was going to say, I don't feel that way, no, but no, no, I know no, that there, there are people are that, that feel that way. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's, it's a good thing to bring up the spirits that are still talking about this light that even near-death experiencers are talking about. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, and, you know, when we go to um, the religious side of things, right? So um, when I was um, first looking at wanting to learn to write books... Um, I looked up, where do I even start and how do I even do this? And there was a conference that I really wanted to go to and I knew I couldn't afford it, but I found the money because you find the money to do what you want to do. And this was many years ago and it was, um, Dr. Wayne Dyer was giving a conference in Colorado. And so I found the money, I got the hotel and I went to Colorado and I saw Dr. Wayne Dyer when he was still alive and I was third row back and I got to stare at him for three days straight talking about um, everything Dr. Wayne Dyer talks about and a little bit about writing it was probably one of the most transformational times or weekends of my life but one of the things he talked about was a lady called Anita Morjani who um, he had found and she was writing a book called Dying to Be Me and it was all about her near-death experience. And he was so impressed with her. He was helping her get published. Um, and eventually this book would get written. And um, probably everybody's heard about it at this point. But um, it was a... And so basically, um, it talks about how she was in um, 
Hong Kong at the time, and the doctors had said that this was the day that she was going to die. Um, he had told her family, you know, call who you need to call. Today's the day. Her body was filled with tumors, some of them the size of lemons. Um, she had gone into a coma. Her lungs were filled with fluid. She had gone down to the 85 pounds. She had go- gaping skin lesions all over her body. She couldn't digest food. She couldn't walk, obviously, at this point. She could barely breathe. Well, she wasn't breathing on her own. Um, her organs had shut down. And like I said, her family had been told that they needed to tell her goodbye because this she had hours, not days at this point. And um, nobody knew it at the time, but she was fully aware of everything that was going on around her. She knew what the doctors were doing. She knew who was with her. Um, And in her mind, she was not only in the room, but she was beyond her room. In this moment, she was expanding beyond her body. She was um, expanding beyond everywhere and everything at the same time. She was aware not only of what was happening in the room, everything in Hong Kong. She was aware of her brother in India who was desperately getting on an airplane trying to make it to her before she passed away. And she was clearly in understanding of everything that was happening. And she understood that she was connected to everyone all at the same time and that everyone was everything and everything was consciousness. And she felt that she was given a choice to go back and she didn't want to. She, um, she understood, um, that because she had this knowledge now that she had to go back and she had to share this knowledge. And so even though she didn't want to, she chose to go back into her body and she woke up from this coma and the doctor's like, we don't know why you're awake right now. And she was, she woke up and she told everyone, she's like, I'm fine. And I'm going to be fine. And everyone's like, uh, actually, you're, you're not. You're dying. And within five days, all of her tumors had disappeared. And within five weeks, her cancer was completely gone. She was cancer-free, and she left the hospital. And, um, like, it, everything, everything was done. Like, she was, she was dead. She was dying. She was gone. And she literally woke up, and everything was done. And um, the way she tries to explain it to people so that they can help kind of understand what she understands now is that if you imagine yourself in a pitch black warehouse and all you have is a flashlight and the only thing that you can see is that little light of um, whatever that light shines on, that's all you can see. And you can go anywhere in this warehouse you want, but all you have is that flashlight. And you can shine it anywhere you want, but that's all you can see. And then one day, every light in the warehouse gets turned on, and you can see everything in that warehouse, and it's full of the most beautiful things you've ever imagined. And you can see everything, and you can know everything that's in there, and then everything gets turned back off. And all you have again is your little flashlight, and that's what it's like for her. And um, she so when she's doing her seminars and her talk, she says, now look around wherever you are and look at everything that's red. So do that right now. Look around at everything that's red and memorize everything around you right now that's red. And now close your eyes, not if you're driving. Close your eyes and tell me everything that's blue. 
And odds are, because you were only looking at what's red, you don't know what's around you that's blue because you were concentrating and focusing on what's red. So imagine that because our awareness is on what's red, we don't know what's blue. And so it depends on what you're focused on. And so she said that if you change your perception, then you can see and understand what else is out there. And so she wants to share these five lessons with people. One is we should focus on love. First, love yourself, because until you can do that, you can't truly love others. And so without self-love, um, then you can't really have um, understanding of love. And that she understood that because she didn't love herself, that's why she got cancer. And number two is to live fearlessly. Number three was to have humor, laughter, and to find your joy. Number four was that life is a gift, and we only learn that when we lose life, and that even the challenges are a gift, and if it doesn't yet feel like a gift, then you haven't gotten to the end. And then number five is to always be yourself, and that is the most important thing you can do. And of course, she says it much better, so go read the book, Dying to Be Me, but it kind of brings it back around to like that spiritual aspect of that near-death experience. And if that wasn't a near-death experience, like how do you even live from end-stage lymphoma? I don't even know. But <laughs> That story is really powerful, though, too. Really especially um, how she didn't go into like a victim mindset of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I really appreciate so many people I know would take that route and it would be like, oh, well, I mean. Well, she probably was in a victim mindset up until the point where like, she consciously expanded at her time of death Mm -hmm. and understood everything that she really was and chose. And everything she's going through is for her. It's not happening to her, Mm -hmm. which is really big. Um, Great resource. I'm glad that you brought her up. It's a great segue into the forever family foundation that I found. Um, And I'm just going to read this straight off the website because what they're doing is great. And I want people to know about this. So it says, um, belief in life after death is certainly not a modern day concept. Many ancient cultures incorporated such knowledge into daily activities and long-term planning. Traditional scientific thinking most often discounted the possibility that consciousness could survive physical death. Uh, instead asserting that since consciousness was a byproduct of the brain, when the physical brain ceased to exist, so did consciousness. In other words, our thoughts, memories, and souls were forever extinguished. There are those who remain steadfast in their conviction that there is an afterlife solely due to their religious teachings. These beliefs are usually not evidence-based but are the result of blind faith. Similarly, some people are simply spiritual and do not subscribe to any organized religion, simply possess any inner knowledge of life beyond physical death. So... Forever Family Foundation is interested in scientific evidence evidence that supports the premise that we are much more than our physical bodies and do indeed survive physical death. Although such evidence remains unknown to the majority, it is compelling and plentiful. Such evidence can be found through many disciplines of research and include near-death experiences, deathbed visions, mediumship, electronic voice phenomenon, reincarnation, apparitions, and various other forms of after-death communication. 
In addition, there are other types of phenomena that show that the mind can act independently of the brain, thus laying the groundwork for survival. Such areas of study include telepathy, remote viewing, distant healing, intention, and other types of PSI phenomenon. Phenomena. Um, so it's going to go through and like give definitions about near-death experiences and mediumships and I just think it's a really great resource to learn about these things, but also know that there's a community dedicated to finding out more about us after death. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, there's plenty of tabs for grief and loss, volunteers, afterlife science, events, mediumship, um, signs of life radio, and you can even become a member to stay intact. Um, I brought those up just so I could go a completely different way. And I found a little excerpt from a paper and it says religious interpretations concerning death after life and near death experiences. And I found a few things in there that I thought I would like to share with you and all of our friends. Yeah. And it says polls and studies support the assumption that the majority of people believe that death is not the end of one's existence, but rather a transition from one life to another. Different religious religions have provided belief structures that support the religious and social needs of practitioners. Rituals and sacred writings support the various religious interpretations of what death is and what it will be like in the afterlife. However, even with the differences in religious beliefs, there are similarities between many different religious groups regarding afterlife beliefs. One similarity among religious groups is the belief in an afterlife following physical death. Another similarity is the presence of the two polar images of life after death. The um, heaven and hell um, is the biggest one that I've seen that is compared between all of these. Um, a belief in the immortality of the spirit has been present in most religions for centuries. The belief that there is a life after death is one of the oldest concepts of human history. Proving the immortality of the human soul has been the objective of many philosophers, theologians, and scientists. Our own death is indeed unimaginable, and whenever we make an attempt to imagine it, we can perceive that we really survive as spectators. Um, what was I going to say on that? Oh, hence the psychoanalytic school could venture on the assertion that at the bottom no one believes in his own death or to put things in another way in the unconscious. Every one of us is convinced of his or her own immortality. Many beliefs in life after death have concerned a non-physical transition into a serene spiritual world with encounters with other deceased people and possible religious figures. There may be a judgment or accounting of one's life with the final disposition of the individual spirit following the period of judgment or personal assessment. Near-death experiences and the reports of a consciousness of life after death have been provided by members um, of Buddhist, Hindu, Islamic, Jewish, Christian, and Mormon religions, among many others. And then agnostics and atheists also have reported near-death experiences even with their predisposed lack of belief in anything greater than personal self in this life. The following are brief... I messed up. The following are brief commentaries regarding the beliefs concerning death, afterlife, and near-death experiences within these religious and religious frameworks. So I'll obviously put this as a resource on our website if you want to continue to read more. 
I just thought it was a nice grouping together of how there are a lot of religions that, you know, go by the be good, do good, or go to hell thing. And (laughs) this is where good people go. This is where bad people go. But at the end of the day, like it is proven that our souls, our energy, they are immortal. And as you said earlier, I will have a a near death experience. So (laughs) I'll I'll report back later. (laughs) Calm down, Desiree. It's already been said. It's already been recorded. not what I meant. <laughs> I know. Sorry, I had to bring it out one more time. But um, also to bring up a really cool experience that I, I guess I knew this actually happened to him. I just needed like a little jog in my mind. Um, but the psychologist Carl Jung had a near-death experience back in 1944. And um, I think this was the main thing that led him onto all of his fascinating research. Carl Jung, one, has a school that you can still go to and get to all of his stuff, but he goes into like anima and animus and the feminine and masculine in our brains and how we can really like unify ourselves first instead of like going out and disregarding airplane rules. Like put your mask on first, right? So this is the beginning. Um, So he slipped on some ice and broke his foot and while he was in the hospital, he suffered a heart attack. And while the doctors were trying to save his life, um, he he and a nurse described this story that I'm about to unfold. It says, a nurse described Young's unconscious body as being surrounded by a strange glow. When he regained his senses, Young spoke of a vivid series of visions. He believed he had experienced a near-death experience. He said at first he was floating a thousand miles above the earth. He felt as free as a bird and about to leave orbit. And then as quick as a flash and a huge black temple caught his attention. At the temple's entrance, Young saw a Hindu man sitting cross-legged. As he neared the temple, he felt that everything artificial in his personality was being stripped away. All that remained was something he described as the essential Young. So to me, that describes an ego death and releasing of the attachments in the self. Mm -hmm. Young knew that within the temple, the ultimate mystery of his existence and life's purpose would be revealed. He was about to cross the threshold when he was stopped in his tracks. Rising up to pull him back to his earthly existence was the king of Kos, Mm K-O-S. And I'm not educated on that, so look into that later. Um, The island site of the temple of... Aslepius. I also think I'm saying that wrong. A S C L E P I U S. There's no way I'm saying that right. Mm-hmm. Also, something else I, I need to look into. Oh, and it later. Oh, it says it says he explained. <laughs> um, it was the Greek god of medicine. Oh, okay. He explained to Young that he had no right to leave the earth and he must return. Upon hearing this, Young awoke from his near death experience almost immediately. Without um, seeing his purpose. Well, the guy told him, you, you can't be here. You have to go back to earth. Mm. Like the, you're not ready for this, mm. but he was just walking in. There was nobody like safeguarding the temple. It's just a Hindu man cross-legged doing his, oh. mm-hmm. and then, um, yeah, he tried to walk in and he got stopped in his tracks by the Greek God of medicine. And was like, you literally do not have a right to leave earth. Like, what are you even doing right now? So it says, Young would always recall the sting of disappointment it bring bought, brought back to earth. He wrote, life in the whole world struck me as a prison. I mm. had been so glad to shed it all. For three weeks, Young could not 
take pleasure in any form of life. But slowly he began to take comfort from his visions, for locked within was his valuable lesson. So it says, in his professional life as a psychologist, Young argued that our unconscious mind consists of both personal experiences and those we inherited from our ancestors, what she called the collective unconscious. Young believed that the collective unconscious contained universal images which are eternal and which we all instinctively know. He called those images archetypes, and he claimed that he saw some of them during his near-death experience. For example, he believed that the king of Kos represented his actual doctor, why the Hindu man was not only an archetype of his own higher self, but also of the God image within us all. Mm. For the rest of his days, Young would stress that his NDE came from something real and eternal. He wrote, it was only after the illness that I understood how important it is to understand one's own destiny. You know what I find interesting? One of the things that we talked about yesterday or the other day with Barry, um, but also uh, something that um, is in the New Earth, but also in teachings, um, is the importance of non-attachment to what is good and bad and um, the fact that sometimes things step in to happen so that other things happen in a different way, right? So he fell and broke his leg and happened to be in the hospital when his heart attack happened, right? So we think, dang, I broke my leg. That really sucks. But if he hadn't been in the hospital, would he even have been around doctors to save his life? Yeah, like how fast would that heart attack actually like come on and done that? Mm-hmm. And, and you're how right. much did he contribute to society? After that, well, he needed to have that experience too. Like I know that he goes back and he says, like my indie is what you know got me into like more stuff. It's not like he wasn't already there. It's not like have been a near death. It would have been a death death. Mm -hmm. Well, even uh, one of my other favorite idols is George Norrie from Coast to Coast. He also has a couple shows on Gaia. And you know, everyone's like, "How did you get here, George? How are you here?" you know, interviewing people about all of these very far out there experiences. And he, he had a near death experience when he was a younger child and, um, no, nothing like scientific could prove it. Like direct experience is the best teacher is probably what I would say here. Yeah. And there's nothing that anyone could say to him to get him from going, Oh no, 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 no. There's more, there's more to this. There's more out there. Mm -hmm. I might not be able to like find out the answer why I'm here, but there's something to this and I'm going to go ahead and go this way. Right. And I think like if I had an experience like that, even though like I know what I love to talk about and bring to the platform and educate people about, or at least be a resource for, Mm -hmm. but if I had that experience, I would think that it would just make me want to talk more. Mm Mm-hmm. Instead of being like, well, I don't know what it would feel like. Like if I, if I did, I would be like, now listen, yeah, this is how I experienced (laughs) being near death. And I can tell you right now, if, if it's unconditional love that I'm floating up to and it's my guides and it's my loved ones. And, you know, if it's a temple of my Akashic records that I'm trying to walk to and Thoth comes out of nowhere and he's like shy 
<laughs> like, oh, you're kidding. He's like, you're not done yet. I'm like, oh, but come on. Trust like, me, I'm done. Yeah, yeah. like <laughs> there's the Akashic Records. There's everything I want to know. I feel the most amount of love I've ever been able to feel mm-hmm. ever. Like now you're going to send me back down to earth. Dude, it's so transactional human down there. Again. Yeah. Yeah. And he's, well, like you're not done. Yeah. You know, so I can imagine just, I can I can't imagine, but I cannot feel what it would feel like to be pulled away from that love and back down into your body mm-hmm. and like waking up and just being like hearing the beep, beep, <laughs> right. you know, like it's like a lifetime movie playing in my head now where it's mm-hmm. like, she's awake. And I'm like, I don't want to be here. Yeah. Feeling the pain of like the yeah. broken leg. And yeah. <laughs> Fe- yeah. Yeah. Feeling all of that. Yeah. Like I wouldn't want to feel any of that, but mm-hmm. I do think it's very brave of these people to come forward. Yeah again not not against science but if you have those people that only have that analytical scientific proof like you wake up and you're gonna need compassion in that that's what I would need like if I'm on a hospital bed I just went through something traumatic and I just saw like all the answers to the universe and all of that and they just go oh yeah honey well you're we use ketamine on you for this (laughs) and like ketamine will do this to your body it's like no I I saw I felt I heard maybe maybe you did however (laughs) I still know (laughs) yeah so I mean and I guess I'm just saying that because I know Mm -hmm. that there's more people than um Nick and Barry that we've talked to that have experienced out-of-body or near-death experiences and they were both profound for both of those both of their lives right um fully changed them fully changed them Mm -hmm. just a completely different perspective like Mm -hmm. God view on everything for a minute's the best way I can think. Mm-hmm. You're free of suffering, free of everything for that moment, and you can mm-hmm. really, really see clear. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, like, if you're listening and you've had either an out-of-body or a near-death experience and you have talked to people about it or you haven't talked to people about it, um, you know, maybe think about coming and talking to us about it because this is just a phenomenon that doesn't get old to me. It's kind of like indigo children and reincarnation and even kids like remembering past lives. Like I will listen to these stories all day long mm-hmm. from how that experience happened to you, what you actually went through, what you actually saw, and then what happened afterwards. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that you already hit on like the, what like psychic powers getting stronger mm-hmm. and I have nothing to back up my opinion besides the fact that, like, why wouldn't they get stronger after seeing that? Why wouldn't that make you believe in more? Why wouldn't you feel closer to spiritual Yeah. Everything? Why, why <laughs> wouldn't you feel, like, closer to God after that, right? Uh-huh. Yeah. Um. So I encourage anybody that's listening that, you know, wants to come on and tell your story, please reach, reach out to us because stories like that need to be heard. I think that we need a little more comfort in the afterlife, especially um, after hearing Barry's stories about these people that he's talked to to help them cross over that had the chance to go into the light and they were fearful of the light. Mm -hmm. That makes me sad too. Yeah. Like these sweet little souls just bumping around because they actually thought that they were going to go to hell Mm -hmm. and God doesn't want you to go to hell. God (laughs) wants you to come back home and go, what'd you do? (laughs) And you go, listen, it's really tricky down there. If you buy an avocado, in 2022, you could potentially be giving money to a cartel. Right. <laughs> it's, I don't know what to do down there, bud. 
Yeah. I think you need to omit a few things off my record, actually, because I was confused. Yeah. I thought my <laughs> idols were my idols, and it turns out they're a little bit anti-idols. <laughs> There's a little God humor for you. Um, we really hope you enjoyed the near-death experience episode, and if there are any other... Um, resources or just things that you would like us to talk about feel free to write in and uh, we'll be happy to put something together bring a guest on whatever we would like to do or whatever you would like to do for us we're gonna keep pumping out the seasons because this is what we do (laughs) um desiree thank you for bringing your research in today i learned a few things from you and i got a nice recap about it was surviving death on netflix correct yeah Yeah. thank you for Cheyenne, for bringing in your stuff. I really enjoy it. Um, I feel like overly chill for this episode. Yeah. But I just, I don't know. I guess I I just want to like make sure I talk about it like respectfully and want anybody to know like if you've had an experience like that, like I have the highest respect for talking about that. And, you know, I just love you for going through what you went through. That's probably the best thing. I have a high amount of compassion for anybody that, could go through that and if you can see your light at the end of the tunnel while still coming back to earth i think that's big because i wouldn't want to come back Mm -hmm. i think that's why i'm like so somber about it Mm -hmm. but today though i am really really excited to tell you guys about the music that i'm bringing on um one it is uh, sponsored by vitality exposed concert photography go check her out on instagram all the links are down below for you Um, And my buddy's actually a drummer in a couple bands back home. And one of the bands is called Gray Light Divide. And they um, released this song on Spotify not too long ago. They have a couple other ones coming out soon. And they actually have been working with uh, Morgan Rose from Seven Dust. So I'm really excited to play this for you. It's called Answers. You can find it on Spotify. And you can also find it linked below. So enjoy and um, have a good day. Mm-hmm. 